I'm Becky. I'm Nicole. And this is a Twisted Sisters podcast. So, what do we have? No announcement stuff, I don't think. Um, let's see. We're gonna, uh, I think we're gonna do a movie next week. Um, we haven't decided exactly what it is, but you know, we'll try to let you know maybe on social media. And if not, we will definitely let you know in the Twisted Tavern. So, we'll just go into that. You can get into the Twisters Tavern by going to patreon.com slash Twisted Sisters and for a dollar or more a month, um, you get into our private Facebook group um, and in there um, you can talk about frustrations with life or about fun things that are happening. Um, I what I posted a um, picture in there last night of uh, Bruce and I at the local soccer match and tagged Brad and Greg because they are soccer fans too and they're in Indiana we were playing the Indy 11 last night and um we kind of have a a back and forth but we just like we tag each other when we're playing each other so I like that you you guys have that and I Mm -hmm. and a couple of people have we have a hockey rivalry so there you go Mm -hmm. yeah it's good to have yeah exactly uh, and then $5 or more a month gets you the bonus episode that, and this week, our guest, um, we will have one from our guests this week. So I know it's been a little bit, um, but we do have that. So that should be out on Thursday. Um, so yeah, uh, with that being said, Nicole, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am a dehydrated houseplant today, like nice, all yeah. the houseplants in my house. Uh, <laughs> so I am drinking water i had a i had a ua for my new job this morning so i just have decided i'm just gonna keep pounding water all day sure so i had like two liters this morning because i'm like i have to pee on command Mm -hmm. i have to make sure my bladder's full yeah so i warned the gal at the uh the the drug testing place i'm like Mm -hmm. i apologize now i'm an overachiever (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh man i remember when i had my my ultrasounds for the we talked about this a few weeks ago about why i had ultrasounds but um I, yeah, I remember just like chugging water, trying to make sure that my bladder was full because you have to have your bladder full and, um, it wasn't comfortable, but like, you know, you do what you got to do for that. Did, did I tell you about what happened the first time I had a, a, uh, full bladder ultrasound? No. I overachieved. Oh, uh, and- she, she started to do the ultrasound and she's like, your bladder is too full. She's like, is this painful? And I'm like, a little bit. She's yeah. like. So could you go in the bathroom and pee just a little bit? So like I had to like half empty my bladder and that's, that is really hard. Yeah. So like I had to like concentrate and stop Mm -hmm. halfway through because I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, this feels so much better now. I want to like, so the, like the the spasm stopped and I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, but I want to keep like, you can't keep going, Nicole. You can't keep going. Yeah. But yeah, she's like. So you took this a little too seriously. I'm like, well, I drink water all day. And this is like yeah. 3.30 in the afternoon. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. 
Yeah. She's like, well, we usually only ask you to drink 16 ounces. And I'm like, like I drink 16 ounces before I get out of bed. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and I realize most, most people just don't drink water. Mm. So when they say full bladder, like that's most people do need to drink 16 ounces to get a full bladder. Whereas somebody right. who tends to drink multiple liters of water a yeah, day, you, you it's actually need to not do any more than normal. Somebody... You need to like not pee before you. Yeah. So, so like, like the just... extra, the extra 16 ounces I drank right before was 16 ounces too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, Michaela, this is some of the stuff that we talk about too. I don't know if that's <laughs> the, like... <laughs> I think she'll be fine with it. Yeah, I think she'll be too. It's um, lady booze. Yeah, totally. Uh, so yeah. I get that. Um, I'm drinking. Um, I have wine, of course. Um, I opened a bottle the other day. It's actually my my birthday bottle of wine. So Ew. in my naked wines box back at the beginning of the year, um, they had so like I I don't always order like a box. I mean, since I started this, I and I think it was only just like the beginning of last year. So like they only had like two birthdays since, but um, I don't think I ordered a box last year on my birthday month but I think that's something they do where like they'll have a birthday wine that's your like your special gift that month if you order a box and so I got this one it's a um Cabernet Sauvignon from um Karen Birmingham I think I don't have the bottle with me is it the one with the leaf on the front of it uh I think that we've gotten these before maybe actually I think there's a good chance I have a bottle of it in the kitchen yeah it's okay it's (laughs) It's not great (laughs) I think it might have been one of them that I'd had before that I couldn't remember what it was and I went Mm -hmm. it's tolerable yeah 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 and I Cabernets can be hit or miss though too yeah yeah so yeah I mean it's it's like it's it doesn't taste bad it's just not one that I would choose again so yeah it's it's not it's not an exceptional wine, but right. it is, it's a good table wine if you're yeah. having pasta for dinner with like four other people. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's wine. <laughs> so. It's, it's wine. You know, it, it's not the worst Cabernet I've ever had in my life. So Right. Same. Oh yeah. Same. So, but yeah, that's what I have. Um, so Nicole, it is your week to, um, it is to, fangirling and it was too, like you've been holding this for like two weeks so okay so i've been holding this for two weeks and then i started watching something else and i'm like oh shit which one oh, do go, i want to talk about go for it whatever okay so my first one is like one is light one is not so okay. i'll start with the light one sure. so i started watching only murders in the building yes. on hulu we have been watching it too and it, it is like i i watched the first like three episodes whatever they had they had launched initially and mm-hmm. as i'm watching like i'm halfway through the first episode i texted becky and said are you watching this <laughs> i said not yet but we ha- are planning on it <laughs> and it's it's not often that i get that excited about a new show mm-hmm. that early on yeah but this this one is so fantastically done and mm-hmm. funny mm-hmm. um i don't I still have not figured out who done it. Yeah. Same. Like I, I cannot quite figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is definitely something good to that. And the fact that they are like every week, like they highlight a few other people in, in the grand scheme of their lives. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, okay, well now they added that. And mm-hmm. then of course, you know, they talk about the absurd, my favorite, um, and this is going to be a baby spoiler. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a big spoiler. It's a baby spoiler, mm-hmm. but um sting 
is yes. hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Um, at one point they think Sting is the murderer and the entire scene is one of the best things I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. So I will not spoil any more than that because you have to watch it because it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think new episodes come out on Thursdays. I'm trying to think when we watch it. So is it Thursdays or Wednesdays? I think because we watch because we watch Reservation Dogs on Monday and we watch <laughs> on Tuesday is is it Tuesday it comes out? I can't remember. I think and I think I'm a week behind right now anyway, so I need to go in and and watch but I like I usually will watch the episode before and then the new episode just to make sure I'm keeping myself up yeah um but it's it's a it's about three random acquaintances in an apartment building who are obsessed with a specific true crime podcast Mm -hmm. and then there's a murder in their building and then they decide they're going to do their own true crime podcast about the murder in their building because everyone is treating it like a suicide and they are certain based on all of their knowledge of true crime from mm-hmm. their true crime podcast obsessions and from Steve Martin's days as a TV detective. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it's on, it's on Tuesdays. It is. Um, okay. I yeah. can't remember if it's Tuesday or Thursday. And it's on Hulu. And again, they're releasing it weekly and they're on the sixth episode, I think. So, you know, it ha- just like clicked off, but about that. Yeah. And it has been renewed for a second season. So I'm curious what they're going to, if they're going to treat it like an anthology. Oh, yeah. 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 Or, Which would make sense because like, then it would be, because it then it would be like a true, true mm-hmm. crime podcast where like a season is one murder and then okay. another season, the next season is some another one, but that'd be really cool because that's another thing about the episodes. So the episode titles and the theme are in line with the episodes of the podcast that they're mm-hmm. doing. So it's meta. <laughs> like It is. And it's, it's very, it, it's like a comedy take on serial, which yes. makes me laugh. Cause like even down to the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is uh, Steve Martin playing a concertina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think they, they utilize the comedic talent so well. Cause it's Steve Martin, Martin short and Selena Gomez. Yeah. Um, and haters be warned. I love, I love me some Selena Gomez. She's great. Like I, I don't know if I had seen her in, in like if I'd seen her acting before because like I, I you you so, never watched the Wizards of Waverly Place on the Disney Channel. I did Channel. not. Yeah, um, I totally did because yeah. I'm a weird adult who watches children's programming. And I'm fine with that. I mean, I I'm sure I probably saw some because of my niece and nephew. They're about the right age mm-hmm. um but i um yeah no i didn't watch like watch but she's she's whatever but like she's great and she's she's just so dry yes yeah and it's and she's been like that since she was a kid because oh, really? her character on wizards of waverly place is very dry okay and i love it yeah and she like this in the the twists and turns with her character so far have been really interesting Mm -hmm. um and the history she has with the building that they live in and Mm -hmm. again i'm not going to give spoilers yeah yeah that like that's probably as far as you can go without giving spoilers right so but it's definitely and i mean every once in a while a guest star will pop in like roy wood jr is in an episode yeah which i was delighted by Mm -hmm. uh 
and he and his cousin have they they talk about their podcast about horticulture they're the horticulture homies <laughs> so good and yeah. it's, it's so Roy Wood Jr. oh my um, god it is just like <laughs> it's so funny watching it as someone who has a podcast too I'm like uh-huh. oh yeah yep um and the uh and this is I don't know if this is spoiler or not but tina fey plays a kind of not a i don't know i'm trying to think of who who she would be she she, she'd be she's like if sarah koenig from serial was opportunistic yeah yeah because i was gonna say sarah koenig but not but like yeah if she were opportunistic right yes um and uh, as someone from oklahoma uh and i get that like it probably was intentional because like it is like someone doing a podcast from new york would do unintentionally so like the show probably did it um intentionally but like she is doing a she's introduced as the host of a podcast called all all is not okay Okay. in oklahoma Mm -hmm. or something like that and um and she mentions um See, I, I can never say it incorrectly. So, is it Chickasha? Is that Chick- what you said? Yes, and it's supposed to be Chickasha. Yeah, Chickasha is the name of the the city, and she says something like Chickasha or something like that, which also is is close to something else. Chickasha is a um, is an indigenous nation here, mm-hmm. and so it's like okay. <laughs> like I like wince I'm like but no that that's that's accurate to her character (laughs) we'll say um but yeah it's yes we're loving it too so so yeah that's our Tuesday show and then Wednesday we watch what if from Marvel's what if I think I'm behind (laughs) an episode on that one too but um so okay so what is your favorite episode of what if so far oh um so I don't know if I would say this is, I don't know, favorite. Most interesting, right most, most interesting plot change. Yeah. Um, the most affecting, the one, the most, the one that sticks with me the most is the Doctor Strange. Like, that's what I was going to say too. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe I would say like the most, like the most enjoyable for me was the, um, the zombies. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, I think the most, yeah, the most impactful one was Doctor Strange. It went along so well with his storyline anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That was, that was not my second one, but I will happily talk about it too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, what's your second one? That's fine. We can talk about what if another time. Like, um, my, my second one is Midnight Mass on Netflix. Okay. I dove headfirst into this the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not done with it. Mm-hmm. And I am interested to see where it goes. Okay. Uh, most everyone I know who has watched it has been thrilled by it. Um, friend of the show, Sean Oze, mm-hmm. was not. And oh. I'm trying to hold off on having a fight with him right now. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah Gauntlet Throne, Sean. It's not a time to fight no. with him right now. Like, Gauntlet's Throne, though, Sean. Right. Like, I agreed with most of your summaries of clickbait. You were correct. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you you are not. I, I need to ask him if he's a Stephen King fan. Because I think that's a big if he is not a Stephen King fan, this one might not be as enjoyable for him. Okay. Um, but it's very, it's not done by Stephen King. It is endorsed by Stephen King. Okay. Um, 
but it is Mike Flanagan who is responsible for The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. It has a a lot of character, like actor crossover, but it is not in that series. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it has Easter eggs to some of his other projects too. Um, I need to go back and watch the movie Hush Mm -hmm. because apparently there's a lot of tie-ins to that film. Oh, okay. But it's about a charismatic priest who comes to a small island as um, an interim while the Monsignor is under medical care on the mainland okay. and then weird things start to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can connect it to a lot of Stephen King's stories that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably some of his darker, weirder, slower stuff. And I think that the slow pacing is what a lot of people aren't enjoying, mm-hmm. but it's, it's visually interesting. And the, the musical score in it makes it really interesting because the score tells as much of the story, I think. Yeah, um, as the acting does, but um, Hamish Linkletter is in it, and I love him. And it is rare that you get to see him not in a comedic role. Mm, okay, so I've very much enjoyed it. He played um, the brother to uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus's character in uh, the Adventures of New Christine, old the old new new, new Adventures of old Christine. Old Christine. Okay. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he he played her brother. Okay. And he was hilarious in that series. And he's been in a few other things. And he's an actor that if you saw him, you'd recognize. He's a tall, skinny, goofy dude. Okay. Um, but seeing him in a dramatic role has been really interesting. And like there's definitely there's definitely pieces I've put I put together before they were I just lost the word. Revealed. That was the word uh, I was looking oh, for. Yeah. Yeah. Um and there's definitely a lot of visual stuff in there that I think they want you to watch, but I feel like it's a loss leader that they are having you pay attention to things that might not be important to the story. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the town is going to be saved by the rational, basically atheist doctor played by Annabeth Gish. Oh, okay. Uh, she's not one of my favorite actresses on the planet, but she is really good in this. My mom had to laugh when I said that because she knows how strongly I feel. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, she was she was great in The Haunting of Hill House, too, as the housekeeper. Um, so yeah. I will give her that. I think it's just some of the roles that she's done or in like, I just did not enjoy her in those roles. I don't think it's her as an actress. I just like, but I think the casting is superb in this because it is a lot of people that you're familiar with faces, but probably not names. Right. Um, and it was a lot of me going, okay, wait, so that's, so Theo from The Haunting of Hill House is one of the main characters in this. The woman that played the author brother in Haunting of Hill House, his mm-hmm. ex-wife is one of the main characters and she is literally the most hateable person on a TV show. Okay. And that takes a lot. Okay. I think for, for ex-evangelicals and people who have, have deconstructed from the church, she is the most hateable person on television. Okay. I think that has a bigger part to do with it. But. Yeah, yeah, you have to have like that's part of the the backstory or the context for mm-hmm. her. But she yeah. is she is a morally bankrupt um, evangelical or morally bankrupt Christian who yeah. does who thinks that all the horrible things she does is for mm-hmm. Christ. Oh, I know people like that, <laughs> but worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Taken to the <laughs> next, yeah, to the tenth yeah i think i'm halfway through and it's really getting interesting now halfway through Mm -hmm. so i hope it does not disappoint me in the last couple of episodes Mm because a lot of things do that Mm -hmm. um but as of right now halfway halfway through i am all in and highly recommended if you want a dark 
th- it's I wouldn't even say th- it's so it's so slow paced you probably can't call it a thriller um and it's not it's not horror for the sake of horror it's more just, just dark, a drama yeah but with supernatural elements to it okay um and it's very on brand for Mike Flanagan if you've seen The Haunting of Hill House or The mm-hmm. Haunting of Bly Manor yeah um or like even because he's done a couple of Stephen King adaptations he was responsible for Gerald's Game mm-hmm. um and it's it's on brand with that and like some of some of Stephen King's slower darker stuff um which is what I enjoy like I know everybody loves Carrie and the Shining but like I love his slow burn dark stuff um Joyland is really good Mr. Mercedes is amazing um and actually I can't remember which station one of the cable stations did uh Mr. Mercedes mm-hmm. so I highly recommend that to you but I will talk about my Stephen King television obsession on another show so my my two fangirls are over only murders in the building funny mm-hmm. and dark and midnight mass just dark awesome because it's spooky season bitches yeah well with that i think it's probably time to get into the conversation with michaela which was not spooky or dark well eh, i mean not spooky or dark no <laughs> like, it was a pretty this consider this your spooky and dark for the week and mm-hmm. michaela will just make you smile with her passion yeah absolutely All right, so today we are talking to Michaela Ortega. Um, I found her through a Twitter post this past week um, talking about mental health in your workspace. Um, And I was primarily interested because she does work in news journalism uh, here in Denver. She was, I guess I can say was, it's official now, right? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Um, The senior assignment desk editor i'm gonna screw this up every time I <laughs> we say just it. talked about it and you know it's true if i don't write it down i don't remember oh, um <laughs> it's senior assignment desk editor for one of our our uh, local stations and um just a brief overview michaela uh do you want to tell us kind of what what you did at your job and kind of what led to your decision to take a break yeah, so uh, in in the assignment desk, in the newsroom, it's basically the pulse, the heartbeat of the newsroom. Um, my job is to keep track of every aspect, meaning journalists, meaning photogs, photographers, producers, and the content that is going to go on air. It goes through my hands. And so um, that's my job. I'm always fact-checking, always confirming information, making sure it's accurate, and reportable and so there's just there's a lot of of responsibility on your shoulders when you work on an assignment desk um a lot of people don't know what we do <laughs> and i am a lot i'm good friends with a lot of reporters and people are always like oh, you're with your friends with reporters isn't that intimidating i'm like we're we're responsible for <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes, you know so no it's not intimidating um and i loved my job I love my job. And so that's what made the decision to leave it so incredibly difficult. Um, You know, the last 18 months, we've been in a pandemic. It's no secret to anyone. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I think there was just a lot of anxiety and a lot of confusion. Like, Mm -hmm. what? This is actually happening happening in our age, right? 
Um, but yeah, yeah, it definitely happened. And because of the pandemic, I mean, right, we're talking COVID, we're talking people losing their lives. That's just the tip of the iceberg here. Um, there are so many people who have lost their jobs, who have lost their housing, who are homeless because they lost everything, uh, who lost their spouses, who lost both their parents. And these are people who would come to the newsroom, right? They'd call the news desk and I would answer. And so often it just, I felt so defeated because there's just, there's nothing you can tell these people. I mean, your life is, is ripped up into shreds and I'm just on the receiving end. Like, I don't know, this isn't a story, but I feel horrible for you and I'm so sorry. And so it's always been that you take devastating calls on the assignment desk. That's who people call. They call the news because they know that you're a beacon of light. You're going to go and tell their story and give a voice to the voiceless, right? That's what journalists do. But during a pandemic, it's different. I mean, there, there's no way you can give all these people voices. And if you did, it would be a very depressing newscast, right? And so mm-hmm. there was a really big push from our management. We want to tell positive stories. We want to tell enlightening stories. And it's like, well, okay, <laughs> where do you get these stories? Because uh, there's not a lot out there. I mean, it's doom and gloom a lot of times. And so um, that was what brought me to my decision to leave. And it was really hard. I mean, sleepless nights the last month has been, it's been crazy. Um, I was going to go from Denver 7 to CBS. I had already accepted the job. And um, I just realized I couldn't do it. Like I I just couldn't do it. And that was so difficult. I mean, talk about, I never backed out of a job. If I say I'm doing something, I'm doing it. Right. Um, but I had to make that decision for myself and for my family. And when I had stepped away just for a week, I felt better. I felt clearer. I didn't feel so depressed and anxious and like just really uptight all the time. Right. And so I realized that's my, that's, that's like a sign. <laughs> that's yeah. a sign. not good to feel like that all the time. So that's what led to my decision to leave. And have you been interested in journalism for a long time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I started my career in nonprofit, which is a really unconventional way to go into journalism, right? Okay, yeah. Um, I did that for six years and then um, got into journalism because I had got an internship uh, in my hometown station. It's KOB. Um, they're the NBC station in Albuquerque. And talk about a dream job. I mean, I remember when I was interning, I would go and sit in the parking lot and psych myself up to go into that building and <laughs> look at these people that used to be on the TV every day when I was like getting ready for school. Right. Uh-huh. Um, it was it, it was just like a dream come true. And I remember when I started um I said, I'm going to show these people that I know what I'm doing. Right. I was still in college and, and I did, you know, I showed them that I knew how to market. I knew how to talk to people. I knew how to persuade people, knew how to create sources. And within two weeks into my internship, they offered me a job. Mm. Talk about a dream. I mean, yeah. And they told me, they're like, you're going to have to work holidays and you're going to have to work these weird shifts. And there was just nothing more satisfying to me at that time going in at four in the morning and saying 
I'm in the newsroom. I'm working mm-hmm. news. You know, I didn't even care. It didn't phase me. I was just so ecstatic. And as I shared, you know, I came from a very small town. So working in an Albuquerque newsroom, heck yeah. I mean, I felt like I really had made it at that point. So um, I really dug my heels in and I worked really hard. A lot of holidays missed. Um, a lot of nights and odd hour shifts worked. And yeah, that's that's how I got to Denver. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're not talking about Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, it was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I know from, from the bio that I looked at, looked at, like I said, I tried to do my homework. Um, I was bored at work the other day and didn't really want to actually do my job. So uh, (laughs) I did work for, I did work for this instead. Uh, I mean, to be fair, yesterday was my last day at my job. So what were they going to do? Because I also, I also just left my job. So (laughs) This one I did not leave for mental health reasons. My last job I left for mental health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked at a physician's office as a medical assistant, and it it's a similar situation that people would just call because they had no one else to talk to, mm-hmm. and yeah. you got to hear the worst of people and the worst that happened to them, and have absolutely no control over you know like I can't do anything for you, but I'm glad I could listen to you. Yeah. But you get to the point that after almost a decade. Like, I, I have nothing more to give you. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I know. I, I don't blame you. I, I don't blame you. It is it is very, very emotionally exhausting. It is exhausting. Like, you can only be nice for so <laughs> That's rude. Also but- true. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, like you said, you worked in nonprofit. You worked for the, was it the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society? Yeah, uh, Leukemia lymphoma and united blood services so i did six years with both of those nonprofits. uh you moved to tv or to uh, news journalism and now you are going to work in media relations correct i am i'm going to work for the city and county of denver with the department of emergency management so everyone it's so funny because everyone's like uh you were escaping stress so you're going to emergency management <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm, I'm escaping empath burnout. That's what I was yes. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, can do, you know, I could do all the stress all day long, but uh, yeah. So that's what I'm going into next. And I'm very, very excited, very excited for this new role. I mean, look, the job is going to be stressful and they emphasize that sometimes there's emergencies in the city and you need to be there. And I'm ready for that. You know, I can take that day and night. I'm ready. I think, like I said, it's the empath burnout where I was just at my breaking point. Mm-hmm. Uh, were there were there any things in particular that you found that you could do initially to combat some of that burnout? You know, yes and no. Um, for me, I felt that in the beginning it was like taking long walks, right? And, and going to the park with my son every morning and it would just kind of clear my head. Um, but we're in Denver, so the snow, right? Yeah. <laughs> And I, you know, when, you know, being snowed into my house, because that happens some days. Yeah, you just find yourself going into not so great coping habits, like overeating, uh, you know, maybe drinking, having a drink every night. And it's like, this is where it's not good. (laughs) You're talking about my 2020 right now. (laughs) Feeling attacked, but. (laughs) 2019, 2020. Yeah. Most of 2018 
it's been it's been a couple of years but yeah the (laughs) you're you're preaching to the choir here um i am i am definitely a food comfort folk uh i will not talk about how much weight i have gained over the last three years it is not pretty and it is it's that unhealthy relationship with food and trying to break that cycle um But it's, you know, it's also about, you know, no recognizing. And I, I told you in my, when I messaged you on Twitter, how proud I was of you, that you, you know, you realized that you needed to do something for yourself because it's not often for women, especially to make that recognition. Um, but I also have seen it as it, this has been a trend I've noticed here in Denver. Um, I don't know if it's a, a, nationwide trend but there have been a lot of people in journalism over the last six eight months who have walked away um yeah no uh it is absolutely a trend um it's funny because i'm i'm still plugged into a lot of these media groups on linkedin um you know i know a lot of recruiters and just uh friday i saw one of my really good i would say he's a good you know professional acquaintance He said that he reached out to eight people in one day and all eight of them told him we're getting out of news. Sorry. I'm a little burned out. I need Mm, to get out. Wow. And he said, that is a career. That's a record. Right. Yeah. Um, And it is, I mean, I really do feel there's a mass exodus of journalists right now. And it's sad because the industry itself, it is so selfless and you're really truly putting all of the, everything on the line, right? Like you sacrifice your sleep a lot of times because you work those weird hours. Mm -hmm. Um, You work long hours and you cover for people. You work holidays. I mean, it's so selfless, the industry, because you truly believe in the mission of keeping people informed, of telling, you know, giving a voice to the voiceless and telling stories, right? That are going to impact the community. I think these are things that make you proud to be a journalist and to be a part of this industry. But recently, I think with the changing, the changing climate of media, um, it's not keeping up with the needs that its staff has. And so I say that in um, journalism used to be very exclusive, right? Especially Mm -hmm. broadcast journalism. Um, If you worked in it, oh, you were lucky and everyone always wanted to get in. And now that's not the case. People are finding that they could get into a communications job and get double the salary, right? Not work the holidays, not work those odd hours. And something that is um, really common in broadcast journalism is non-competes. So Mm -hmm. a non-compete contract is essentially, if you work in Denver and you're producing, you're going to sign a three-year contract, meaning you will be here three years. And if you leave before your contract ends, you can't go to KUSA or go across Mm -hmm. the street non-compete means you can't compete with us Mm -hmm. even when you leave Mm -hmm. that's dated that's dated Mm -hmm. and I think people are just finding that they're not going to be you know held to that I mean they're finding their mental health and a few of my friends you know who are producers I talked to them today and they're like I'm dying to get out Mm -hmm. like they're dying they're planning their exit and they're just so burned out and and it's all these things a culmination of how broadcast journalism has worked historically it's just not working anymore and it's not support it's not creating a supportive environment especially when that's what its staff needs Mm -hmm. right it needs a positive environment and needs supportive managers and they're just not 
it's just not there because it's short staffed and because of all the different dynamics that go into putting the product on the air every day, you know, at the end of the day, that's what everyone cares about. But I think the people and taking care of your people should be a bigger priority. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think as consumers of news media and I, I'm speaking for me, I'm going to, I'm going to assume Becky's going to agree with me. Um, I'll let you know if I don't, but fair um, enough. Yeah. <laughs> I try real hard not to speak for both of us if I don't have to, but um, I mean, as consumers of news media, I think a, we get real attached to the people we see on TV every day. We as consumers forget that there is a staff of, you know, a hundred people behind them who are actually doing the, the big lifting, the big hard work, the producers, the, the, like you said, you do the, the fact checking, the researching, you know, we forget that all of you guys do so much work to make the final product look great. Mm-hmm. And then of course the demand within um, consumer culture, because like everything else that used to be educational or not entertainment now has to be entertainment mm. for everyone's gratification. Yeah. And I think consumers in general need to be more aware too, because the the de- like the supply and demand. If we demand a twenty four hour news cycle, they're going to give it because and they're and they're not going to think twice about who they hurt going into it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think it's it it's going to take consumers too recognizing that we we are part of the problem, mm-hmm. right? Um, is, is there anything that people who are not in media so like consumers, average people who love to watch their daily news, is there anything that we can do or you think that would be helpful for us to do to help encourage more support or mental health support for the people in our local journalism communities? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, It's hard. (laughs) It's kind of hard to say because look, the 24-hour news cycle, you're absolutely right. Um, Our newsroom grew substantially during a pandemic that's crazy mm-hmm. but yeah I mean we totally grew and um, created a whole new broadcast area that's just streaming I mean it is just mm-hmm. streaming so yeah we're trying to be there for people and I'm going to be honest with you I mean the views aren't there the viewers aren't there that they used to be right mm-hmm. people aren't consuming news a lot of people think it's depressing or um, it's just not, you know, not relevant to their lives. And that's kind of, that's hard to hear mm-hmm. when you're a journalist, because as a journalist, you are trying your damnedest to be uh, relatable to people. You want to know what matters to them. You want to bring content to them, what that's important to them. Right. So I think the best thing that consumers can do is be engaged and provide feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, that's weird to say because I'm like don't call me anymore (laughs) (laughs) but really I mean if people called with genuine like genuine hey what about this or hey what about this it gives you a perspective that's not something you would have considered before and so I think just providing respectful dialogue with journalists goes a long way Um, I think there's this uh, belief that people who answer the phones at in a newsroom oh, it's just a secretary and, you know, which a secretary is still a person. Um, 
but for me, it's like, I'm an editor, right? And so I'm talking to all these high ranking profile professionals within our market, like police officers and district attorneys and um, just, you know, everyone under the sun hospitals. And I also take viewer calls, right? And so it's like, yeah, you, you don't have to call and yell at me and <laughs> tell me I'm the enemy of the people and, you know, be really obscene toward me. Like I'm a human, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I would just love just to hear your feedback. I mean, not disrespectful feedback and then hang up, mm-hmm. but talk to me like a human. And so mm-hmm. I think that that's definitely providing respectful feedback. It goes a long way. And I think, I, I think that is good advice for almost every aspect of our lives right now. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, that that empathy is and compassion is missing. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up because I think, again, because it's media, most people assume you're not real people. Mm-hmm. Because media, media is an entity, not a person. And right. it's not a person with feelings. Yeah. Um, exactly it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I have been trying to cut my social media down because mm-hmm. I have a problem. <laughs> Useless social media, not, mm-hmm. not positive social media, just mindless social media. But I've, yeah. been using, I've been using Twitter a lot more. And I realized the bulk of who I follow on Twitter are people in the Disney community uh, because it's fun. And a lot of our local journalists and newscasters, which is how somehow I got connected to you through a tree of people but I've I've been reading it in the in tweets of a lot of a lot of reporters um a, a few producers and editors and I've been trying so hard to leave kind comments mm-hmm. on some of their posts because whether you read it or not somebody's going to read it and go oh wow that was a really nice thing to say I should yeah, probably mm-hmm. think about doing that um there's a there's a local reporter here whom I thoroughly enjoy uh his Twitter feed and he was complaining the other day about somebody or somebody who was complaining about him being too involved in his uh Hispanic heritage and his Hispanic culture (laughs) (laughs) he is is a fantastic fantastic follow but I'm like Mm -hmm. this is the reason I follow you is mm-hmm. I love hearing your stories. Mm-hmm. I love hearing about your humanity. And I realize that's why I gravitate towards some of the personalities that I do, because they're the ones who tend to be the most like, this is who I am. This is the food mm-hmm. that I cook. You know, mm-hmm. this is what I do when I go home. Well, I guess because he's from New Mexico too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I love reading about his trips home um, and how much he loves New Mexico. And like, I'm like, why, why is this the hill someone's choosing to die on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I right. tell you, I mean, it doesn't matter what you post, someone's going to be an asshole about it. <laughs> and it's like, it's just a reflection of their misery. You know, like I've had to, I've really had to come to that conclusion because you can post and be kind and be considerate and generous and all of it in in what you're coming across and that's something I always strive to do and I get along with Jeremy really well we're good friends <laughs> to work um but yeah it's like it doesn't matter like people are gonna find something wrong with what you're saying mm-hmm. I mean they're gonna find something wrong with what you're saying regardless and it's just so much negativity and hate there's just so much out there 
-hmm. and it's exhausting. It is exhausting. And like you said, sometimes journalists, they might have gotten busy, you know, after tweeting and went and had to return two packages or something and they just didn't see it, but they read it. And Mm -hmm. it means a lot to see those, those comments. I mean, I'll respond four days you know I used to respond a few days later and be like thank you so much for posting this or saying this because it's just really kind you don't get enough of that as a journalist you just don't people really do think that you're their you're their punching bag I guess is is how I felt a lot of times and I'm not even on air so a lot of on-air talent get it a lot worse mm-hmm. and that, that's another reason I wanted to talk to you is like you deserve to be humanized mm-hmm. And, and I think journalism, I know a lot of people say journalism is a dying art because more people think about journalism as print journalism. And yes, print journalism is not what it used to be, but I think that we have so many wonderful people out there who want to, to educate and share what's happening in the world with the general public. And this, like you said, the system that we have right now just is not conducive to, to making that sustainable for people in journalism. Um, and I don't know, and um, I, live, I live in Eastern Colorado now, but I lived outside of Greeley for a long time. And we had so many journalism students who worked for me when I managed for Bath and Body Works. And just to see them so excited about going into their careers and now knowing that like the numbers in their journalism program have plummeted mm-hmm. because either they know that they can, they can blog and vlog and get just as many views and not have to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this generation is acutely aware that sacrificing yourself to your job is not a sustainable way of life. Like our generation has managed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, do you have advice for, for journalism students and people who want to get into journalism? You know, it's so funny because my advice is all for the the CEOs. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, yes, I do have advice and I did mentor quite a few young students who, like you said, their passion for the industry has waned significantly. I mean, 2015 to now oh my gosh, you know, kids used to be knocking on doors. And now it's like, uh, like my friend who's an executive producer, I mentioned earlier, she told me that they had not had one application for a producer job in Denver in a month. Oh my. Wow. In a month. Like that is, we used to get probably 300, you know, Mm -hmm. about 300 people just coming, knocking, not one in a month. So my advice is um, journalism is a very, very crucial to our democracy. Mm-hmm. It really, truly is. And I believe that um, you are passionate about holding the powerful accountable. If you're passionate about giving a voice to the voiceless, um, get into journalism. You know, get your feet wet. See if it's right for you. Sometimes people get in it and they, it's not even a good fit and they just keep going and keep going until they find out, oh God, I'm miserable and I shouldn't have done this, right? Mm-hmm. See if it's right for you. Test the waters. You can make a very good career out of it if you stick it out. But like you said, there will be sacrifices. And I think that that's something that news management really needs to look at a little bit more, right? I think they think this is cyclical and it's because mm-hmm. of the pandemic and it's just going to come back around. But it's 
not. It's, it is deeper than that because there are droves of journalists leaving right now. Like two of my really good friends who are on Facebook, the day I posted that tweet, they posted, they were leaving the industry as well. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart. I mean, it, it really does. Um, you know, for me, is it a permanent exit from journalism? I don't think so. Um, and that's why I didn't get into politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would be too hard to repair your reputation as a journalist if you went into politics and then tried to get back. No, 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 no. Um, you know, I got into government, but I do think there's always a way, you know, there, there always is. It's a different side of the coin, communications and journalism. And so I know personally, I, I would love to come back to the, to the industry. I just need some time. I need some time. You know, I have a two-year-old and truly having a similar schedule to my husband Mm-hmm. was where it was at yeah <laughs> I work those odd hours anymore and I couldn't miss holidays anymore mm-hmm. that's where it was at had I stayed single and not had a child I probably would have stayed in for another 15 years so mm-hmm. that's why I left and and I you know I just needed to prioritize I mean I, I needed to prioritize my mental health my family it was a culmination of things so yeah you need to be healthy for your family like it's yeah. it, it, it does your child no good for you to not be healthy. So, yeah. And, and not present. Like, I think right. that was, I was finding myself, like I'd come home and I'd be thinking like, could I have helped them? Could I have got them assistance? Could I have, mm-hmm. there's so many people that I've helped that the story hasn't even made air. Yeah. But at the sacrifice of who, of my family, right? Cause uh. I'm here after work, after working hours, calling and getting resources set up and doing all this that the other and it's you know I don't say this because I'm Mother Teresa no it's because I cared right Mm -hmm. but that only goes so far you know it only you can only do that so much until you're like tap out I need a minute I need a break (laughs) and and when you're one of those very empathetic compassionate people compassion fatigue is it is a real and overwhelming thing regardless of what industry you work in Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you have a deep care for people, eventually you have to, you have to start prioritizing yourself. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say it again. I am so proud of you for taking that step because so many people don't, and it needs like, it needs to be more common. Yeah. I think it's a Herculean task, especially when you're an empath and you're used to throwing everyone's needs before you, right before your own needs um I mean it it, when I tell you ladies that I didn't sleep for nights on end I didn't sleep I really didn't and I sat up and I paced and I thought about it and I considered it and I just leaving the industry especially right now when I feel like I am so needed my god you know the guilt Mm -hmm. oh yeah Uh, and and there was regret there was regret when I told CBS I couldn't come over because Tim Wyland is the nicest man in all of TV. Let me just say that. Air that across everything. <laughs> He's the GM and the vice president for CBS. And he is, you know, the conversation I had with him was eye-opening. He told me, Michaela, every journalist comes to this crossroads and you need to do what's best for you and what's best for your family. And we would be devastated if you didn't choose us, but we'd understand and your family comes first. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> for you now? Like, why did you do that? 
but it, it gives you hope though that at least somebody gets it mm-hmm. yes he needs jeez he needs they need to be like put him in front of all the different news stations and he can be the, <laughs> the lead yeah oh what are you most excited about for your new job I am excited for the change of pace, right? And so I realize it's going to be, it, it is going to be emergency management. There's going to be emergencies that I need to respond to and I need to be the face of, of the department. Um, and these are going to be stressful times. And I fully recognize that. I fully do. Um, but most days it's an eight to five job, right? Which is amazing. Like you never have a normal eight to five in news unless you're a news director, really. Um, and so that is something I'm extremely excited about. Um, I'm excited about holidays with my kid. <laughs> These are weird things, right? They um, are not even a little bit weird. Yeah. Completely <laughs> normal things. I am. I am so excited not to miss another holiday um, with my child. I'm excited for better benefits and PTO and being mm-hmm. able to take a day off and not feel extremely guilty because that's news guilt is, is real. And when you take a break, you feel like crap because you, you know everyone else is carrying the load. I'm um, excited about that. And, and like I said, I'm excited to learn a new industry. You know, I, I did nonprofit. I did news. And now I'm doing communications and, and public relations, right, for a government agency. And I'm just excited to learn about it and learn the ins and outs and provide transparency, especially in times of urgency and emergencies. So all of that combined. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I, I have worked uh, in private industry and I work for state government now. And yeah, it's very different. Um, but yeah, there are good things and bad things about both. <laughs> and like, but or, yes, yeah. the stability is really, is really great. Um, so yeah, I, I work in um, the state environmental laboratory and it's mostly a, a, eight to four 30. Um, and, uh, except for the odd time that I have to go in to test samples when there's emergency, but like, I mean, you'll be do- like, that is actually literally your agency that you're going to be doing, but even still, like, even for that, it's going to be mostly, mostly eight to five, nine to five, whatever. And then the emergencies are not as frequent as what they were in journalism <laughs> so I know I know it's like everything's a, emergency there <laughs> yeah it, it really especially in the last 18 months it's like news was mm-hmm. on steroids yeah mm-hmm. with all the social unrest and you know all these multiple waves I don't know what are we in wave five of COVID yeah something like that I think we've all stopped counting oh we yeah just have, we all just have tick marks on the wall now I know and we're going into winter ladies I'm just like ugh, mm. it's never gonna end but yeah, I mean, all of that combined and then, you know, with the Trump and all of that stuff, right. <laughs> it was just very crazy. It was a crazy, crazy time to work in news. And so I feel like I went through a lot, but they're not done. They're not, they're not out of the woods. And I think they know that, mm-hmm. but for me, I'm just ready for a change. Yeah. I'm ready for a change. I, I love them all dearly. Um, but like you said, that stability knowing what time I'm going every in every day and leaving every day. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that is so nice. Uh, cheer, cheers to eight to five jobs. <laughs> yes. Woo, yeah. I don't have a drink. But cheers. <laughs> it's, it's just water. It's not even exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, mine's air, so we're good. <laughs> uh, do you have any social media that you would like to share with our listeners where they can follow you or do you want to not be followed (laughs) I know a lot of these PIOs they're so incognito and I'm like why what are you guys not telling me Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I I have followers on Twitter Mm -hmm. um but yeah Michaela News Now is my current handle that may change but if you follow me in the next two weeks it'll probably be the same Mm -hmm. um and I'm just right now because I'm transitioning I start my new job Thursday not too sure what my social media presence will be um but i'm there now (laughs) i'm there now so that's how i found you so there you go (laughs) well we'll put that in the description and if it changes then it changes and you know there you go (laughs) well michaela thank you so much for joining us tonight technical issues aside like i said it's not a twisted sisters recording if there's not some technical issues right and a dog barking and who knows what else like yeah I gave my dogs pep talks tonight to encourage them to not. <laughs> well, ladies, thank you for your time and just being able to talk about it openly and freely. It's just, it's always just so nice. So thank you very much for the time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We appreciate you joining us too. Of course. Of course. Twisted Sisters is now part of the Wild Goose Goosecast Network, a network of faith-based podcasts discussing issues of inclusion and social justice. To learn more about the Wild Goose Festival, go to wildgoosefestival.org. Natalie Wells edited this episode. Our theme song was written by Michael Basinger and it was performed by Key and Nuts. The closing music was created and performed by Andy Moore and the transition music by Sean Ose. Our artwork was done by Cheyenne Davis of Shays Designed. You can contact her at davischeyenne.com to do your graphic design project. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Twisted Sisters and on Facebook as Twisted Sisters Podcast. And share the magic by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash twistedsisters. 